Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Frank, um, before Natasha comes to uh, speak to us, um, I'm going to read from the passage that we'll be thinking about this evening, Luke chapter 24. Verses 13 to 33. So uh, if you'd um, like to turn that up, uh, you've got uh, Bibles in your pews there. Um, you might want to follow it on your phone uh, or on the screen. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 33. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had been seen, that, he had, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up. And returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good evening. Well, at this point in the service, we like to give you an opportunity to answer a question. So I'm going to ask you a question and then feel free to take a few moments to think about it. You can chat with those people next to you or you can think about it yourself. Feel free to get up and have a drink, stretch your legs. Um, It's a good chance to chat to the person you're sitting with and enjoy that for a few moments. So here's the question. When was the last time you didn't understand something? When was the last time you didn't understand something? So I had a little think about this myself, and I came out with IKEA instructions, how my iPhone works, and who's supposed to be cooking tonight. Those are three things that I don't understand at the moment. (laughs) There may be different situations that you're in. Uh, Have a chat to the people next to you and enjoy some space for three or four minutes before we come back together. I'm going to pray as we start. Father God, as we think about reading the Bible this evening, we want to say thank you for the freedom to read the Bible that we enjoy in this country. May we use that freedom well. And Lord, help us to hear what you want us to hear this evening. Amen. Well, I'm going to start this evening with a story about students. (laughs) If you were in church two weeks ago, you would have already heard a student story from this month. But this has been a very student-y month for our family, as three of us have become students. Um, Yesterday was the last student drop-off we did, so you'll be glad to know there'll be no more student stories for another year after this one. But it's appropriate, so I'm going to tell it. It's the time of year when students move to university. For some, it's the first time they've ever lived alone, and they're excited and nervous. They may be worried about trying to live on a budget with so many tempting things on offer to buy. They may be excited about being free of the parental leash, and even as their parents drive away, they're planning how much socialising they can fit into one night, smoothly cruising into their nine o'clock lecture the next morning. They may be keen to start out eating adventurously, and they have that student vegan-on-a-budget cookbook tucked into their rucksack. But for the average student, something happens very quickly. It's actually much harder to live as an independent adult than they thought. Maybe they lose track of how much money they plan to spend each week, and they quickly go into overdraft. Maybe they realise there's an impact on their energy when they party all night, but they can't really say no now they've got the reputation as the fun name on campus. I'm saying nothing more. Maybe they very quickly lose the cookbook, and before they know it, it's beans on toast without the toast every night. Before too long, all that wise advice from mum and dad and the sixth form tutors has fallen by the wayside. It's not that they've forgotten how to carry out the good intentions they started with. 
It's just that this change in circumstances has meant the connection between the advice and the reality has got confused. So I'm not sure how you started to answer that question. Sorry, I'm not sure how you answered the question we started with. When was the last time you didn't understand something? What was it you struggled with not understanding? Was it something that the benefit of hindsight could have made obvious? Not understanding something is a state that we're all familiar with, and students particularly so as they start out in their studies. But I also think there are many similarities between the disciples in today's Bible reading and our confused students. The men in this Bible story were followers of Jesus, and I'm sure they started out as his disciples three years previously with excitement and nervousness, keen to follow this new teacher who'd invaded their headspace and impacted their lives. That description of of him that they give in verse 19 of our reading tells us how they saw him, a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. It felt so clear to them all the time he was living with them, and they were confident probably about how things would pan out. But as we join them in today's Bible reading, they're walking sadly along the road, stunned and disbelieving about what's just happened. And everything that had made sense in their heads is just a mad scramble that doesn't make any sense anymore. Everything has changed, and their ability to understand it hasn't kept up. Well, as John said, we're on the third tonight in our series in Healthy Spirituality, and we're thinking about the place that reading the Bible holds in our spiritual health as Christian believers. I believe that reading the Bible helps us to work through the disconnects we have between what we think our faith is about and what we live through day by day. When there is a disconnect, we can quickly become confused bewildered and sad like those disciples in today's reading. So tonight I'm going to use that story and we're going to talk about two things. Firstly, why we read the Bible as Christians and secondly, how we might approach it in a way that helps it become part of our lives. So can I have the first slide, Ian? Let's begin with thinking about why we read the Bible One answer might be that in the Bible, we encounter God. If I was to ask you this question, why do we read the Bible, I wonder what you'd say. I googled it and the BBC website for GCSE Religious Studies answers it like this. The Bible is used by Christians to give them guidance about how they can live their lives in the way God would want them to. There's guidance in the Bible on many areas of life. And Christians will turn to this advice when they're faced with a dilemma. Now, in many ways, that quote's completely accurate and correct. But to me, there was something fundamental missing from it. Let me give you another quote. This one from Rowan Williams, who's a Christian. Christians read the Bible not as a document from history, but as a world into which they enter so that God may meet them there. Now, both quotes are correct, but the GCSE quote talks about the Bible in the same sense as we might talk about our rough guide for Paris. 
We're told it gives us guidance, tells us what to do when we're stuck, we're in a dilemma. But to me, Rowan Williams has captured something more. He's captured the sense of relationship and encounter with God. As Christians, we believe that our faith begins when we respond to a living God. And we understand that the primary way we hear from our living God is through the book we hold central to our faith, the Bible. Far from being a dry document, we believe that when we read the Bible, as Rowan Williams says, we're moving to a place where we meet with God. There's a wonderful verse, one of my favorites, that tells us that the Bible is living and active. And we often call the Bible the living word of God. It's not a dry old book or a history document. It's a book that holds words from our God, who speaks to us and meets us where we're at. It's a book we can depend on to speak into our current circumstances. So let's look at our Bible story again. Here we have two men reeling in shock, making their way along the road towards a town called Emmaus. What happened then to help them lift their heads? Look at verse 15. Jesus himself came up and walked with them. They were looking for answers, and Jesus himself responded to their searching. He didn't leave them to work it all out on their own, but he came and walked with them on the road, accompanying them and then explaining what they didn't understand. In the most unexpected yet powerful way, they had an encounter with God. Their relational God met them where they were at. Now, I think it's really interesting that Jesus doesn't just say, guys, guess what? It's me, as his friends start to share their pain. Instead, he decides to keep them from recognizing him. Did you see that bit? So they don't fully understand who he is. As Sue will share in her testimony soon, God doesn't stop us from going through pain and confusion, but he does come alongside us in it. Sometimes we only recognize him later. Here Jesus notices how hard it is for his friends to understand what's going on. Maybe it feels as if everything they'd understood up to that point about Jesus was no longer true. Verse 27 tells us, beginning with Moses and the prophets, it's the Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself, and it's a lot If you'd like to know more about that, I've actually got a leaflet that a friend of mine wrote with all all of those references in it. In effect, Jesus helps them to understand what's going on now in the light of the Old Testament. In his excellent book, How to Hear God, Pete Gregg says, This encounter with God on the Emmaus Road is signalled not by a dramatic experience or by high emotion, but by a lengthy Bible study. Why? Well, I believe that as we seek to read our Bibles using both our hearts and our heads, God meets us and helps us to learn the truth. Once they understand what's told in the scriptures concerning Jesus, he meets them in a different way as they take bread and wine. And suddenly the pieces click into place. Look at verse 32. They asked each other, I love this verse, were not our hearts burning within us? They recognize something has happened to transform what was previously a mystery into a life-changing experience. They understand. 
They've been met by the living God in his living words, and their hearts are beating fast as they recognize it. If we're in a relationship with someone, whether that's a close friend, a family member, a spouse, our relationship grows stronger through communication. I'm married to Pete. That's something that doesn't change. I am married permanent. It's a permanent relationship, but the quality of our relationship can be dramatically affected with how well we communicate. Last week I was away and Pete sent me messages asking how I was getting on, telling me what he was doing. Imagine I just ignored those messages, going off my past experience of what I know about Pete, rather than being interested in how he was last week. Assuming he'd know I was all right too, I could have thought, well, if he doesn't hear anything, he can be sure I'm fine. Bad news travels fast. But the point is, he wants to hear from me. He wants to be involved in my life. Our relationship is stronger if we invest in good communication. In the same way, I call myself a Christian. I've decided to put my trust in Jesus, and I've resolved that the Christian faith is the way I want to live, and that's fixed. That doesn't change. But if I never communicate with my God sharing my life with him in prayer and listening to what he has to say to me through the Bible, our relationship will be infinitely poorer. So wrapping up this point, why do we read the Bible? I believe that we have a relationship with the living God and the Bible is his living word, his primary means of communication with us. Reading the Bible doesn't create my relationship with God, but it does deepen it. It helps to align my worldview with the one I was created for. Once we step out in faith towards God, he asks us to walk with him, not to stand still at a full stop. God wants us to grow. And as our understanding of what we read lengthens and strengthens, we begin to change. And with that change comes transformation. In the same way as the disciples' new understanding of Scripture brought them from a place of despair to a place of enlightenment, God's Spirit also comes alongside us when we ask and helps us to understand how we see Him, how we see ourselves, how we see others. All of these as we spend time reading the Bible and seeking to understand what it means. Now let's think about how we might read the Bible, how we read it to help us to encounter God. This slide is called Posture. I wonder if you've ever tried to communicate with someone who's told you in every way they do not want to listen or talk to you. (laughs) What body language do they use? Maybe their facial expression is closed. They might cross their arms, stay away from me. They may purse their lips in a sneer. I won't do that. Or there might just be a blank, unfocused stare in their eyes. It's really hard to have a conversation with someone like that. How we approach Bible reading matters. If we do it with a closed, resistant mind, it affects what we hear and how God can reach us. Here are three ways that I've found helpful when I read the Bible. At the start of tonight's Bible passage, we find the two men talking with each other about everything that's happened. They're wrestling to find the truth about what's going on. When Jesus asks them why they're sad, they use language like 
we had hoped, and some of our women amazed us, and the others went to find him, but they didn't see Jesus. These men were downcast and probably feeling hopeless, but I love the way they were talking together. It seems they wanted to keep chewing over what had happened, and they were still holding on to it. And it was here that Jesus met them. They were ready for Jesus, although they didn't know it was him, to start explaining to them what was going on. They had a posture of anticipation. In the same way, I believe that having a mental posture of anticipation that God will talk to us through the words of Scripture changes the way that we approach it. I found it really helpful when I read my Bible to talk to God or pray before I do so and ask God to speak to me through the words I read. And I want to really encourage you this evening that if you feel like God's far away and the words you're reading in the Bible don't compute, please don't leave without asking someone to pray with you or asking one of us on the team to walk along, sorry, to talk through what you're struggling with. Asking someone to walk alongside us through our hard times is really helpful and really important. The second posture I believe we should take as we read our Bibles is humility. There's a startling place in the passage where Jesus speaks to these poor grieving men in a way that seems almost harsh or inappropriate to us. In verse 25, he says, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. He doesn't say, oh, you poor guys, what a rough time you've had. Now, I don't know why he calls them slow and foolish, but my point is, here, these men don't march off in a huff and refuse to engage with him at that point. They're humble and accept his rebuke. They don't let their feelings get in the way of him helping them. And I think their humility helps them begin to understand. Sometimes I get in a bit of a huff when I read something I don't understand in the Bible. Maybe I expect God to fit in a box I've made for him. And when he, when he doesn't oblige in the way I want, which he doesn't, I might shut my Bible and walk away. I wonder if then I'm being slow and foolish not to keep pushing into understanding, asking God humbly to show me what he's teaching me. Maybe we all need to start by taking what we do understand clearly about God and going from there. And a really good place to start is by reading about the person of Jesus in the Gospels. My final point is that I believe in order to be spiritually healthy, we need to decide to be dedicated to reading our Bibles we live in a society which depends on quick fixes, don't we? Emotional highs, the perfect Instagram photo, not the discipline and hard work and slog that comes with living well for God in everyday life. In the same way as when we train for a sporting event, not that I ever do, sorry, as when people train for a sporting event, there are many early mornings and lonely hours spent that nobody acknowledges in the bright lights of the stadium. Living as a Christian involves us digging in with discipline and perseverance. At this point, I want to be really clear that being dedicated to reading our Bibles doesn't mean we need to join a monastery. Neither do we need to be academics or really into studying theology or reading long books. 
I think churches sometimes now have a reputation of being places where we can only come if we've got a good reputation or we love reading books. But the Bible teaches us that when we read its words with anticipation, humility, and dedication, the good news comes not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. That's in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. I don't know about you, but power, the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction sound like ingredients to make our hearts burn within us as we read it. So I'm going to close with a few suggestions of how we might read the Bible and grow in our understanding of God. Firstly, it's a really good idea to make Bible reading part of our daily routine. There are many different ways you can do this. You can read a short passage explaining a bit of the Bible in a practical, easy-to-understand way that helps it come alive. Our summer read this year was a book called Be Still, and it did just this. It takes a verse, and then it talks about it in a very practical, down-to-earth way. We still have about 10 copies left back there on the pew. So if you didn't get one, I highly recommend this book. It has been excellent, and please do go and take one. Secondly, many people at Emmanuel use the app Lexio 365 on their phones or listen to a short Bible reading on their way to work or school. And there's an app called Bible Gateway, which has plans as well to help us read. Thirdly, come and join a home group. So you're looking at part of the Bible with other Christians every week. This is such a good way to learn from other people. You definitely don't need to know all the answers. In fact, if you do know all the answers, I think you're in the wrong church. And fourthly, come to church. As we heard in last week's sermon, come to church. Our church community is the best place to change and grow as we listen to God's word being taught faithfully week by week. Please don't hesitate to come and talk to me about any of this because this is one of the parts of my role at Emmanuel that I really love. And one of the ways that we can have fresh excitement is when we hear someone's story about how verses from the Bible now mean the way they understand the Bible has gone from being in their heads to being in their heart. And that's what we're going to do in a moment as we hear Sue's testimony. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week.